time for your week daily look at the NBA and your Charlotte Hornets. It's time for the Hive O'Clock Alarm. Oh, that sounds amazing. David, it sounded amazing. It looked amazing. I, I, I honestly, I had to get up in the middle of the night and go recheck the box score just to make sure that everything that I saw actually happened. I'm Doug Branson, joined by David Walker. This is the Hive O'Clock Alarm. The Hornets win Game 5 in Miami, 90-89. to They'll head back to Charlotte with a chance to close out this series. David, where do we even begin? Unbelievable, Doug. You know, we've been doing this Hive O'Clock Alarm for, what, five years? Uh, or <laughs> a couple months. It just feels like five years sometimes. It feels like it, but uh, it's exciting. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, I was with you. I mean, it was just, it was one of those where you're after the game just floating on air. I mean, that was, uh, you said, I mean, say that again, game five in Miami with a chance to close out in Charlotte for game six. I, I don't know that we really thought that was something we'd be facing, but it, it's pretty incredible. Well, I picked the Hornets in six, yeah, but I, I, I thought that they would steal one in Miami to begin things. I could that's not right, have yeah. imagined that they had an – I want to be careful here. They have an opportunity to close out the series in Game 6 in Charlotte. Yeah. But I, I think we should start all the way at the end of the game. I think we have to go and start with the finish because it was exciting. Let's Let's head to 43 seconds left. Uh, Richardson, Josh Richardson, who has been money – throughout the different portions in this series, and certainly he was money in games one and two in Miami. He goes for the three-point kill shot, misses with Miami up one, Hornets rebound, Walker misses the 16-footer, and then Courtney Lee for the second straight game, a clutch offensive rebound in, in essentially the same spot. They talked about it after the game. And they basically, I think, I think everyone's falling on. It's just opportunistic, right place, right time. And then Lee passes it off, resets at the at the above the break, three point jump shot. It's in. Hornets go up ninety eighty eight. Lee gets that assist from Jeremy Lin, and then the Hornets, David, they almost. They almost had some issues inbounding, and if if you've oh, just man. jumped on board to the show or just jumped on board to the playoffs here for the Hornets, they've had issues this season inbounding. <laughs> David, oh. uh, were you thinking? Were you right? Were, uh, were you trying not to think what I was thinking at that time? I did. Well, I tweeted good. hashtag Hornets inbound because it's been oh. it's and and it and you know what it would have been uh, darkly poetic because they had those same issues. Uh, at the very beginning of the season against the Heat, getting the ball inbounds for a chance to to close out the game or win the game. But instead, instead of it being darkly poetic, the Hornets do get it inbounded, or they get a defensive stop, first of all. And there's a lot of controversy around that defensive stop. But I thought Courtney Lee, after hitting that three, comes back and just plays lockdown defense against Dwayne Wade. And, and really makes him work, and he has to he has to dish the ball off to Drajic. Kimba gets the block on Drajic. Dwayne Wade catches that block, goes up. David, was it a foul on Cody Zeller? They didn't call it, but was it a foul? We're talking about the final play, correct? Yeah, the final defensive play for Miami. 
Um, yeah, no, I don't think you call a foul on that play. It was a, it was a bit of a scramble play, right? And I know Wade and uh, yeah, it's it both. Looking at from, but let, yeah, let's be honest. It depends. On, it depends on what angle you're looking at it from. And uh, and I think Shaq and Barkley were on opposing views as well. So I think you know Charlotte did all they could, and made a made a good play. But that's kind of how this this series has gone, and you've seen it, Doug. We talked about it. One team reacting one way to the officials and the calls or the non-calls, and another team reacting another way. I mean, that's a call that Wade has gotten plenty of times. But uh, you know, at, at game five in the playoffs, you can't be upset if you don't get that call. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Here's what I'll say: So Wade and Spolstra both came out after the game and were pretty adamant that that was a foul and and you know Wade obviously had the best angle as as he was the one going up and and I looked at the play and I'll, I'll yeah. say two things I don't I don't think that that no call was inconsistent with how the game was called you look at both teams 19 free throw attempts for Miami that's pretty low for this series and then 15 free throw attempts for the Hornets that's very low they were averaging coming into this game they were averaging over 30 free throw attempts so that was on the very low end. The calls were going Miami's way to to a certain extent. But I'll say this: Yeah, by the by the letter of the law, I think Cody Zeller fouled Dwayne Wade because he he goes up. He sort of he tried to avoid contact, but he lifted off from right under the basket and ended up near the baseline. And normally, if you launch from one place, make contact with a player, and land somewhere else. You're not jumping straight up. You you probably did influence that shot. But here, here's the thing. It doesn't matter. And Wade, to his credit, said that after the game. He said, look, I, you know, yeah, I was fouled, but it doesn't matter. Like, you have to, you have to, yeah. here's the thing, and, and especially in playoff basketball, if you're a referee, you would rather, I think, you would rather uh, no call yeah. Than, than call contact that isn't there. That To me, that is so much worse. So they're going to that, land on the side of the no call. That's what they always say, right? You want them to let the players decide the game. And I also think that it was Courtney Lee, right, who was digging down in there, who also had his – who was in the area, right? He had his hands up and around. Yeah, but I thought he got all – I thought he cleared and got all ball. I think if you were going to call a foul, it was going to be on Zeller sort of getting his chest. Yeah, and, I'm and, just – yeah. yeah. I just think if you're, you know, that, that, that just adds somebody else in the mix, two more limbs flying up there. So maybe, you know, it's a little more action. But look, you talk about Kemba with, with uh, getting a piece of the shot before that, the good defensive play they made, you know, Wade uh, bobbled the ball and Joe Johnson. It was a good defensive possession. And I think it would have been tough for the refs to say that was good de- defensive possession, but. We're going to make this call right here underneath the basket. And again, it's like right under the basket. It's a bit of a scramble. <laughs> that's that's one I think that, in all honesty, if you're looking at it and you don't care, you want them to let the players decide, and they did. Well, and it was a gutsy defensive stop in a series of gutsy defensive stops at the end of that fourth quarter. I don't think the Heat scored in the last two minutes of that game. And you have to take into consideration that Cody Zeller was having knee issues. Uh, Batum, who I don't think was on the floor at that time, but he was hurt. It looked like everyone was gassed. Walker looked looked gassed. Uh, Lee looked tired because these guys, Lee's been playing 40-plus minutes a night for the past couple of nights, and, and everyone had to dig extremely deep and stay with this game because the Hornets down in the fourth quarter, a majority of that quarter, and it made me think of the last thing that we played 
on the Tuesday show from Clifford post-game, Game 4. And I want to play it again because I think it perfectly encapsulates this team and what they did in Game 5. There's nothing more important in this league and a coach, you can't sell it. If they think they're good enough to win because uh, they're all experienced enough, then they're going to have that kind of resolve. And if they don't, if they truly don't in their hearts, then when they get behind or when things go badly or when you lose three or four in a row, they're going to lose that. And I think from day one, they've all thought we're better than people think we are. And they know that when we play well, we're good enough to give our ch- ourselves a chance to win almost every night. There it is, David. There it is. That's it. That's the mantra. That's, that's the new style for this team. I mean, uh, Doug, I wanted to hit on one thing that we've been that we've been begging to see: the three point shots finally returned last night. I mean, fifty percent from three for Charlotte, twelve of twenty four, and they needed every bit of them. Um, but it wasn't. You know, I would have thought if you had one of those type games, it would have been a larger margin. But uh, they needed all of those, and the guys finally looked comfortable and wanted to take those shots. Were you? pleasantly surprised at that i imagine so well yeah i mean everyone contributed that's what i was surprised by and 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 pleasantly surprised by you had three by marvin two by courtney three by kimba two by nicholas batum who i will get to Mm. don't you worry i'm gonna get to batum in just a minute um but 50 percent from beyond the arc and yeah, you, you expect if the Hornets hit 50% and, and knock down 12 three-pointers, which, hey, that's regular season. They finally got right. back to regular season three-point shooting. You expected it to be a larger margin, but then you look, points in the paint, Heat won 48-34. They got 12 second-chance points to the Hornets five. The Hornets also had uh, 12 turnovers. And you know, so and the Heat had 13 fast break points. Remember, Game Four, the Heat had zero fast zero. break points. So the Heat were beating the Hornets in a lot of these important hustle or easy point stats. And so the Hornets needed every one of those three pointers to stay in this game. And that's why the three pointer is important. That's why Steve Clifford plays four out. And, and that's why the Hornets have been successful this year. They have dug several games out of the earth using three-point shooting when when other aspects of their game uh, were not going well. And we said it, Marvin Williams, game four, 0 of 5, uh, zero points, needed offense from him. He led the team, 17 points, yeah. three of four from beyond the arc. He refound his rhythm. Hopefully it doesn't. So he was good in game three, not so great in game four, uh, stellar in game five because he also had eight rebounds, two assists, and three steals. He was stuffing the stat sheet. Hopefully yeah. he doesn't have another regression in Game Six, and, and he can bring it uh, in home, but bring it all home. But I thought it was an amazing performance from beyond the arc. And you have to ask yourself, David, why did they do well from beyond the arc? And I look, I went back and, and watched all twenty-four three pointers early on in the game. It was a lot of getting the ball to Frank Kaminsky or Al Jefferson, and, and then passing out, and there being opportunities there. Late in the game, it was. Kimba Walker's effect on this series, his ability to get to the paint, Jeremy Lin as well, had the had the Heat defense back on their heels. They weren't as aggressive. Uh, Kimba hit one three off a great Cody Zeller screen and just popped it from above the break. He hit another three when I believe Josh McRoberts uh, shaded over, or no, it was either McRoberts or Ding shaded over and and did not switch. And uh, Frank Kaminsky knocks down a pick and pop. So there were 
three-point opportunities for the Hornets that have not been there. This isn't, you know, 12 of 24 doesn't come out of nowhere. It comes from the fact that the Heat finally had to decide, okay, we're going to take away the paint from Kimball Walker, and it paid dividends from beyond the arc for the Hornets. Exciting stuff to see. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, you're right. And those guys wanted those shots. Courtney Lee desperately wanted to take that three after he missed the the breakaway layup, um, which I initially thought was a no-question goaltend call on Wade. But when they showed it from the long angle, I don't, I don't think he ever touched it. Really? Uh, I, I, think I still think it's a, I, th- I still think it was a goaltend. I don't, I mean, unless you want to say that he affected the basket or something, I don't think he touched it. I think, uh, I don't think he got up high enough to touch it, but they, they didn't spend a whole lot of time with replays on that. But when they showed it again from that wide angle, it didn't look like to me that Wade got to the ball, but that's neither here nor there at this point. Lee was, Lee was, Lee couldn't have shot that three fast enough. Well, here's, he got that rebound. And, and it brings up a great point. There were so many great storylines in this game, not only Nicholas Batum's return. And again, trust me, I'm going to get there. But I want to talk about Courtney Lee one more second. You go back to his rookie season. He's with Steve Clifford, who's an assistant coach with the Orlando Magic. They're in the finals. It's game two. He has an opportunity to uh, hit a dagger for the Orlando Magic in Los Angeles to take game two. He misses that. Then he misses a perfect alley-oop layup opportunity that would have given the Orlando Magic the game. Instead, Los Angeles wins both games in L.A., and really, it was all but done from there. The, the Orlando Magic desperately needed to steal one from Los Angeles uh, to to have a chance in that series. Instead, they lose in five games. And I think a lot of Orlando media, and I think Courtney Lee put a lot of that on himself. And he, of course, goes on to have you know a lengthy career and hits big shot after big shot for Memphis, goes to a Western Conference Finals with Memphis. But here he was again. He missed that layup that really would have set the Hornets in the right direction in this game, and he doesn't get down on himself. Even after all of that history, he doesn't get down on himself. He shakes it off and has a great defensive possession on the other end to stop Dwayne Wade. And and he's been he's been up for this challenge, Dwayne Wade guarding Dwayne Wade all series. And and he he stepped up in a big way for the Charlotte Hornets. So yeah. And Doug, you know, one, one one thing I just want to interject there, we look at how this series has gone and the uh, the momentum shift since that 41-point second quarter in Miami, right? The Heat have not scored 30 points in any, in any resulting quarter. So, I mean, they've really taken advantage of the Hornets have really gone out and tried to, to – uh, to just improve the play, and they've taken the momentum. I mean, 80 points for the Heat in the last three games is a big difference from 120 or whatever they were scoring in the first two. David, I heard one of your little stingers in the background. Were they able to stay up and and watch the game? (laughs) That was my stats guy. That was my stats guy. (laughs) He's like, Daddy mentioned points in the paint. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, son. <laughs> uh, all right, so there were a couple of issues uh, for the Hornets. Rebounding certainly an issue. The the Miami Heat able to snag fifty rebounds to the Hornets forty one. They'll have to clean that up. And then uh, we've already mentioned it. Points in the paint, forty eight points in the paint for Miami. They did have thirty two in the first half. They didn't have. I believe they had thirty in Game Four total. So the Hornets did do a better job in that second half, limiting the Heat's 
paint opportunities. Hassan Whiteside, an efficient game, 5 of 8, but only 11 points, 12 rebounds. You know, you kept him from having a stellar game, and you really put the onus on the Miami Heat guards. Uh, Dwayne Wade shot 11 of 19, 11 of 19, so 19 field goal attempts for Dwayne Wade. And we know those weren't three-point shots. Those were hard-nosed, get-to-the-basket, or step-back. So, you know, Wade only has one day to recover. Both teams, I think, uh, tired. Both teams feeling it. And uh, we we haven't talked about Josh McRoberts, that adjustment by Miami. There's so much more to talk about in this series. Oh. And, and we, we I want to talk about Nick Batum before we go, but I have to mention Hive Talk Live Thursdays brought to you by ESPN 730 tonight. Justin Thomas will join me. We'll have a great guest list for you on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. But you have to make sure to listen to that, hivetalklive.com at 6 o'clock p.m. tonight. More analysis of this game, and more importantly, we look ahead to Game 6. All right, let's reset. Let's talk about this return by Nick Batum. He had the strained foot, could barely get it in a shoe a couple of days ago. He guts it out, decides to get back into this starting lineup. David, he obviously wasn't 100%. You could see it. He was more... Uh, inclined to pass than shoot early, mm-hmm. but but what did you think of Nick Batum's return? Yeah, it was touch and go there early. I mean, you could tell he was feeling the effects of that ankle, but once he got warmed up, I mean, obviously, especially in the second half, he wasn't, and even in the first half, he wasn't shy about shooting, so he was playing within the flow of the offense, which you would expect from Nick Batum, right? I mean, he's not going to come in there and disrupt things too much, but those two threes, I mean, you had that from him. You had it from Marvin. You had a long one from uh, Lynn and, of course, Lee and Kemba. But those two from Nick were, were massive at the time. And we've talked about it this whole series. He's been the guy, especially in that first game, who wasn't, who wasn't uh, shaken, who wasn't shook up by the, by the playoffs. So I thought he was you know, great. It wasn't great at first, I'll be honest. I didn't know if they should keep going back with him, but – Credit to him and Clifford and, and, and all the team right there for sticking with him because it paid off big in the end. I mean, were you feeling nervous when he first trotted out there and no. it looked a little iffy? No, okay. because here, here's why. Because I've been saying it all series. You had to get Nick Batum back to have a shot to win this series because he is the one guy when you're, I've said it over and over, when you're down in the middle of the fourth quarter and desperate for a bucket – He's the guy you go to, and he's going to knock it down. And look, I didn't think he would play in Game 5. I certainly didn't think he would make me look like a genius, because I'm not. <laughs> so so thank you, Nick Batum, for, for making me right for once. But let me, let me just go through this. Again, seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They're down four. Lynn runs the hammer play to Nick in the corner, full trust, and Nick's there, not afraid to shoot, doesn't hesitate at all, knocks it down. A minute later, Batum draws extra attention on the pick and roll from Joe Johnson. That's another reason why he's in there, and we mentioned that on Tuesday. He draws extra attention in the pick and roll and gives space for other guys. He dishes to Marvin for what would have been normally a three. Marvin was on the line. It ended up being a two. And then you you fast forward 40 seconds later, 519 left to go in the game. Batum comes off a high uh, Zeller pick and roll. He pulls up. Whiteside's got no chance to recover. And, and again, Zeller just set some monster picks monster in that three. fourth quarter. Yeah. Just go back and look. It was amazing. Everyone's tired. Everyone's gassed. And I love Clifford after the game, before Batum hit that three, he, he went over to the bench and told 
Clifford, look, I've only got a couple more possessions in this foot. I, I only have a couple more. I can't, I can't go the rest of the way. And he comes up big, knocks down the three-pointer, and puts the Hornets up by two. That's the guy you yeah. go to. That's why you traded for him. That's why you need you absolutely need Nick Batum. I don't care that he didn't play well in that game too. You need him to win a seven game series. And all I kept thinking, you know, Nick Batum yeah, overcame absolutely. the adversity. Courtney Lee overcame the adversity. And here is the only thing that was running through my mind, David. Joe knows. He knows. Executive of the year. Just give it to him. Just give it to the Executive man. Executive of the year. Well, that 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 uh, catch from Lee was not an easy one, too. I, if I recall, I mean, I'm sorry from Lynn on that first three. It was down at Nick's feet, and he made a great recovery to catch that and get it up. I looked at, you know, the guys that are sitting there watching the game. Well, like, that's a professional shot right there. <laughs> not to mention the level of difficulty and the timing of the game. So, you're absolutely right. I mean, Batum was huge, and a lot of credit to those guys, right? I mean, they they had faith in him and they listened to what he says. So. Um, I wonder how that foot is going to react. I'm sure they'll keep an eye on it, but it's it's still going to be it's still going to be tight. I'm sure for Game Six, but it's got to be better than it was for Game Five. I just I cannot understate my excitement as the Hornets get set to return to the Hive. It mm. was it was crazy in Game Four. I cannot imagine the atmosphere in Game Seven in Charlotte. I'm you know. Look, again, I want a public service announcement. If you know a Heat fan that is going to this game, offer them double the money for the tickets. Like get these get the tickets out of the Heat fans' hands and and get more teal and purple in the hive. It hasn't been a huge issue, thankfully. There's been more teal and purple than red and white, but gotta keep it that way. Gotta keep that atmosphere. Courtney Lee said in his post-game press conference that the crowd at American Airlines Arena, they were getting rowdy in the fourth quarter, and he couldn't hear the coverages behind him. Marvin Williams calls out the coverages, could not hear them because of the crowd noise, and Dwayne Wade hit a couple of shots after he got by Courtney Lee. So crowd noise matters. If you're going to the game, stand up, stay standing up, and cheer as loud as you can. Absolutely. I don't think we know at game time yet for that, but we should by the time you guys are on poor, there tonight. I, poor, I poor Fox Sports Southeast uh, uh, postgame show, Stephanie and, and Eric Collins. They wanted so desperately to promote what time the game was going to be on in the NBA, just absolutely leaving them hanging. Nope. 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 Not going to tell you. Uh, so, yeah, they should release that soon if they haven't already. Just make sure you uh, check us out on Twitter at Hive Talk Live, and we'll get you that, that game time, the tip on Friday night. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to listen to Hive Talk Live Thursdays later tonight, 6 o'clock p.m., HiveTalkLive.com. We're going to dig into this game. I know you don't think it's possible, but there's more to talk about in this game, and we're going to talk about it with Justin Thomas from ESPN 730. Thanks so much for listening. Until then, I, I mean, I can't say it any more excitedly. All hail the teal and purple. <laughs>